from the sinuously smelly studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT in Bethlehem, PA, it's time for another garlic-infused episode of chemical-free horticultural hijinks you bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Is your garlic in the ground? If not, why not? On today's show, we'll tell you what to plant, how to plant it, how to harvest, and what to do with your harvest. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. Plus, folk songs about lanternflies and other garden pests, and lots of your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and resolutely robust reconciliations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you pulling a little spice jar out of your pocket at a gourmet restaurant and having the head chef pledge allegiance to you forever. Right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners. School bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network, your health deserves a partner. Welcome to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT. In Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up in today's show, we have a very special surprise for you. We have a folk singer in the studio who is going to sing his woes about the spotted lanternfly. In the question of the week, we're going to tell you how to plant garlic, how to harvest garlic, and what to do with your harvest. It's a lot to get done. So we better hop right to your fascinating phone calls at 833-727-9588. Marcy, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. Well, thank you, Marcy. How you doing? I'm doing just great, thanks. How are you? I am just ducky, thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, what can, Oh, where is Marcy? Uh, in York, Maine. York, Maine. Are you anywhere near the coast? Exactly right on the ocean. Oh, Okay. Is it ever warm enough to go swimming? In September, possibly. That's what I was talking. I was talking to one of my colleagues and saying the further north you are, the longer it takes the ocean to warm up. But it does, and it's generally in September is the best time. Yeah, yep, yep. And And there's uh, no bratty kids around. They're all in school. There's no bratty kids around, and you might catch some of that um, phosphorescence or influorescence, those little creatures that live in the ocean water at night, and it's sparkly, and it's wild. I love it. I love it. I'm going to come to visit. Okay, let's talk about that instead of gardening. I mean, (laughs) people ask me all these questions. I don't know what they want. All right, what can we do you for, Mars? Well, I am um, about to plant a a bed um, along a fence with native shrubs, Mm -hmm. And it's a fresh bed, and mm-hmm. uh, previously it was this uh, bed was a jungle of invasive exotics. Mm-hmm. So we got one of those beasts of a mach- piece of machinery, got it all yanked out. Good, excellent. And then, yep, and then um, uh, put down some local uh, compost that mm-hmm. we had delivered from a local place. Right. And then I thought I would take 
your advice from listening to your show for years mm-hmm. and um, to kill some weed seeds in it in the um, the newly delivered compost. Mm-hmm. I covered it with black plastic in April, mm-hmm. this past April, and I've left it there the entire summer. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping when I lift it off uh, next week, it'll be beautiful um, with no weed seeds. Well, there. See now, yeah. this is this is uh, a ring around the rosy or something. Because whenever I meet somebody, this always comes up, and they always use black plastic. Um, oh. My advice is to use clear plastic. Um, oh, and people were telling me that too. Yes, uh, because the <laughs> sun goes through the plastic and bakes the weeds, whereby black oh. black will absorb the heat from the sun. And oh, it man. will generate some heat. And there are some seeds that simply do need to be smothered. And you're in the far north. So for true soil solarization, total weed and a disease killing, yeah. I don't think you have enough, uh, you, you have enough bright sunlight, uh, months of it. Uh, right. Most of the solarization studies we've seen have come from places like Arizona and Southern California. So if you are north of, say, Philadelphia, New York, Washington, soil solarization may not be the best idea. But you did something. And I think I think you're going to be pleased. You may see you may see some little plants coming up, uh, you know, pull them or spray them with full strength white vinegar. But you've probably achieved something. Next time anything like this happens, test the compost first. Just put it in a pot. Well, I have. Yeah, and did you get weeds? That's how I knew this compost was evil. I'm not in a climate much warmer than you in southeastern Pennsylvania. I'm up in the mountains. I'm at elevation. Um, When I make compost, and I make it better than anyone, uh, after a (laughs) cold winter or just various conditions, a lot of times my compost isn't finished in the spring, but it is finished in the fall after going through a summer. So what I do, I've just accepted that and gotten a year ahead of it. And in the fall, I empty out all my compost bins and everything, put them on my raised beds, cover the raised beds uh, with shredded leaves to keep weeds out, and then start Mm -hmm. making compost for a year and a half from then. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, and so so that brings me to what my um, question is. Now, being on the coast, we have access to salt marsh hay. Oh, that's great. Which does not have weeds mm-hmm. and is great and takes forever to break down. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. I've used it in my compost making in the past, and it, like, never breaks down. Okay. Or maybe so, in so we're 15 talking... years it breaks down. But what I'd like to do in this case is use it as a mulch yeah. around these native shrubs in, in place of this compost that I've been getting. Oh, and no, I'm no, no, not, not in place okay. on top. Well, I'm wondering about if you think the salt content in the salt marché might bother the shrubs. Absolutely not. My friend, okay. my friend and fabulous four-season gardener, Elliot Coleman, and his wife, Barbara Damarash, all live not far from you. And, oh. and Elliot loves salt marsh hay, but Elliot also right. harvests uh, seaweed and uses yeah. that as a mulch. You have a lot of cold water seaweed that washes up on the beaches there. Right. And that's the best yeah. seaweed for using as a mulch and a plant food. 
And yeah. Elliot puts it in a, in a uh, wheelbarrow, gives it a little bit of a rinse, pours it out. But in his experience over time, there's very little salt content to it. And that was stuff yeah. that was floating in the ocean for a long time. Your, right, that's true. Your salt marsh hay uh, probably will have little to no sodium content, but J.I. Rodale used to feel, and we've seen evidence of this, that plants that grew in or near aquatic conditions have a tremendous number of micronutrients for plants. And when they break yeah. down, um, which your you know, salt marsh hay will do over time, you want a mulch that's light, loose, and doesn't break down easily. So, right. absolutely. Well, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, okay. oh, no, there's... There's no hope involved. It, it will happen. Great. Well, yeah, my second question is, um, due to loss of um, marshes through development and so forth, do you think it's uncool to be using it at all? Um, and what impact, environmental impact does it have on these Well, it's, it's, it's like any native plant or something like that. If you take a little bit and leave the rest, and while you're there, clean up any trash, maybe pull out an invasive. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you have Phragmites, but if you see one and pull that out, you, you've earned yourself a wheelbarrow of marsh hay. Um, Pretty but much. You, you look for the areas where it's thickest, you cut it closest to the shore. You only take off the top half of the sticks so that the, the real protection against erosion is still in the ground. And yeah. just use common sense. And if you see these dune-like areas starting to be decimated, then somebody has to go to the municipality and put up signage and saying, you can't cut this for your garden. But it can also wind up to be like a lot of fishing issues. You know, mm. maybe it just needs to be left alone every five years, something like that. Then you can go back mm -hmm. to harvest it. Maybe you can mm -hmm. only harvest it once every five. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, take it from as far away from the ocean as you can. Leave as much standing as you can. Take it from the biggest areas and do a good deed while you're there. And also go to the local nursery and buy a bale of it. <laughs> oh, sure. well, that, that's not... That doesn't approach the environmentalism. Right, unless I find out who, who is harvesting it and yeah. is it done in a, you know, a sound way. Well, we're done, okay? So don't right. worry about it. Put it on top of the compost and Thank have you. a great garden. I will. Thank you very much. Love the show. All right, good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 833-727-9588. Maureen, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Uh, thank you, Mike, and thanks for taking my call. Well, thank you for making it, Maureen. Where are you? I'm in Holland Township, New Jersey. Holland Township. Do they grow a lot of tulips there now? Uh, uh, they do, but the deer te uh, tend to get the, most of them in the springtime. Oh, yeah. Tulips are deer candy. All right. What can we do you for? Well, in the front of my house, I have two patches of well-established periwinkle. Mm -hmm. It's about a 500-square-foot uh, plot. And over the last few years, the leaves on the periwinkle have developed brown spots, and then they die off uh, on the edges of the plot. And it's just I'm losing more and more of the periwinkle. Uh, and at this point, it's being overrun by clover and grass and weeds, and ah. uh, I don't know what's attacking it. Okay. Well, uh, you know, the, the brown tips of the leaves could be two things. It could be environmental stress. Um, you know, we've had, um, and I'm sure you have, um, record amounts of rain 
uh, the last yes, two seasons. And that, yes. can, that can be very stressful, especially if the soil um, doesn't drain well. It could also be a disease. Now, I'll, go, I'll, warn, I'll warn you right now that I know more about Perry White than I know about Perry Winkle. <laughs> okay. uh, but, you know, you can look up on, um, I would go to the Pennsylvania State Extension website and type in mm-hmm. periwinkle disease. You may find out exactly what it is. And if that's, if that's the case, um, there are organic fungicides that fight Ah. these kind of diseases. Um, Mm -hmm. um, I I might be wrong, because this always sounds like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon name to me, Um, but uh, Bacillus subtilis, right? And his his little friend or something. But (laughs) if if you just search organic fungicides, there, there's a couple of them. But you have the classic problem. When a ground cover is stressed or not doing well, weeds do take the opportunity uh, to move right. in. Let's treat this like it was a lawn question. What percentage of the area in which it's planted is still periwinkle versus weeds? I would say half yeah. at this point. It's, I'm losing it fast, and I was even thinking of reluctantly giving up on the periwinkle and planting, I planted a little ajuga, I think it's pronounced sure, that way, yeah, and that's yeah. doing well. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I, thinking I, that would be an alternative. Yeah, I think you've, you've supplied your own answer. Um, mm. What I would do is begin, well, probably you want to leave what's in place in place for the winter so you don't get a lot of erosion. Okay. But then in the spring, you know, have kind of a pulling party, get as much out there as you can. And you say you already have some patches of ajuja? I do. I put some in, and they're doing well. Okay. So um, go crazy. Make an order with your local garden center or nursery and get a mm-hmm. bunch of flats of it and get the bad stuff out. Um, okay. And, and then just plant it um, in the spring. As you know, the more plants you put in, the quicker it will fill in. And there'll be much less mm-hmm. opportunity for weeds to develop. If right. You, if you wanted to, you could, uh, at the same time as you're planting uh, the new ground cover, you could dust the area heavily with corn gluten meal. And that would, oh. that would prevent any dormant weed seeds in the ground from successfully uh, sprouting. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And the nitrogen component of corn gluten meal would really feed your plants. Um, these ground covers, you know, they're, uh, they can take a, a good amount of nitrogen. Normally, they're not, they're not fed heavily, but especially to help plants get established in the spring, I think that would mm-hmm. be a good recipe. Uh, pull out what you can, uh, really go heavy on the corn gluten. You know, try to get... Um, uh-huh. Try to figure out what percentage of ten uh, of a thousand square feet your patch is, and then put it down at the recommended amount of twenty pounds per thousand square feet. So it might be three pounds, four pounds. I, I was told there'd be no math today, you know. Uh, uh-huh. Well, that no, that sounds like a great idea, and I love the ajuga because well, I guess it's a good pollinator, and it's so beautiful the colors. Yeah, and so, uh, you know. Solve it. Yeah, periwinkle is last year's. You know, come on. <laughs> All right. Mike, thanks so much for that information. Uh, 
really gives me something to go on, and I'll look forward to the spring and changing over to the Ajuga and uh, really appreciate your help on this. All right. Well, thank you. You came prepared with your own answers. You're my favorite type of caller. <laughs> Thanks so much. Take Th- care. Thank you. Good luck. Bye-bye. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that I will give a talk on fall gardening for the Bethlehem Garden Club on Thursday, October 17th at half past noon at the Advent Moravian Church on Jacksonville Road in Bethlehem. Now, this is a regularly scheduled meeting of the club, but non-members may attend for a donation of a mere $5. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet, because we'll be right back with the Lanternfly song and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural, organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute. Since 1947, the Rodale Institute has been growing the organic movement through research, farmer training, and consumer education. Learn more about local events, workshops, and tours at rodaleinstitute.org. The Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, we're going to talk about one of my favorite garden plants, which is garlic. This is the time of year. You still got time to get your garlic in the ground. Once you grow garlic once, you'll grow it forever. We're also going to take more of your fabulous phone calls But now we have a special treat, a musical guest who will sing us some gardening songs. Tim Cheney. That's right. Of the, what's the name of the band again? The Edge Hill Rounders. Tim sent me an email um, recently, and you linked up to your YouTube video, right? Yep. And... A lot of people are worried about the spotted lanternfly. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a pest in Pennsylvania, and it's a pest that people seem to be taking really personally, Absolutely. even more so than the old stink bugs. I was in an outdoor event over the weekend, and people were complaining bitterly that the lanternflies seemed to fly in their face all the time. So you decided the only way a musician can react to such an invasion is to write a song about it. 
So uh, what's the name of the song? The song is called Die, 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 Spotted Lantern Fly. So how do you really feel about this insect? <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, here he is with the, what I'll call, the lantern fly song. Take it away, Tim. Thank you. Well, they saw it first in southeast PA, and it's spreading further day by day, and it's doing our crops and trees a lot of harm. It's an insect species that's not native, reproducing at a very high rate of speed, and folks, that's cause for some alarm. Well, once you dig what I have dug, then you'll be hip to this invasive bug, and friend, you'll want to help to stop its spread. And when you see that little critter, you're going to take a swing like a home run hitter and smash that spotted lantern fly dead. Die, 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 spotted lantern fly. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I got a fly swatter, I'm going to chase you all the way back to Asia. Die, 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 your spotted lantern fly. In the fall, find the eggs on a wall or tree trunk, scrape them off into an alcohol dunk, and that will surely cause them to expire. When the nymphs hatch from the eggs in spring, you can wrap your tree with a sticky tape ring and cover it with some chicken wire. Well, the tree of heaven, that's their favorite host. Yeah, that's the tree they like the most. So if you got one in your yard, chop it down. Don't transport firewood, brush, or debris, because if you do, you'll never see them hiding in there and kill to the very next town. Die, 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 you spotted lantern fly. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I got a fly swatter, I'm gonna chase you all the way back to Asia. Die, 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 you spotted lantern fly. I said, die, 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 you spotted lantern fly. All right, I wish we had an audience here. I heard a little Pete Seeger in there. I heard a little bit of Woody Guthrie. Right. Where are you from originally? Uh, well, I was born in Lawton, Oklahoma. Well, that explains it. You automatically get to be a folk singer. Now, when, and your band plays all over the Philadelphia area, mm -hmm. but I understand you have a very special affection for the Mermaid oh, Inn. Oh, yeah, we love the Mermaid Inn, Mike. It's great. It's a fabulous place. It's uh, at the end of the Wissican Drive, would you say? Yep, yep, on and, Germantown Ave. And you're there every couple of months? That's right. All right, check your local listings. When you sent me the video of you singing the song, I immediately invited you to come on to the show. And then a couple of days later, I sent you another email going, do you have any other you know, songs about garden pests or problems? Mm -hmm. And you said no, but then you added, you had like one chord uh -huh. of a song about something else. And in the few days that have transpired since then, you've written a complete song. Now, this is not a song about a bug. Correct. This is a song about a disease. Mm -hmm. Now, is this from personal experience? Are you a gardener? <laughs> Well, I used to think I was a gardener, but I think I'm more like a plant accomplice. You know, I, <laughs> I kind of nice way. I, I That'd aid, be a good name for this show. <laughs> I kind of aid and abet them, but um, they really do their own thing. But yeah. Okay, so um, you got a song for us about about a disease. Mm -hmm. All right, take it away. I went into my garden this morning. 
What did I happen to see? It was a horrible sight, powdery and white, covering up all my leaves. Oh, I was in a panic. I was getting frantic. I said this calls for drastic measures. I started to flip out because I thought I'd have to rip out all my horticultural treasures. Oh, your powdery milk. Powdery mildew, you're a fungal disease. Powdery mildew, powdery mildew, you're killing my peonies. Then I heard that calm, collected, cool voice of reason, and it said to me, If it's on your lilacs, relax. If it's on your bee balm, stay calm. If it's on your asters, that ain't no disaster, cause I got a remedy. Just get yourself some neem oil and some milk and compost tea. Yeah, the powdery mildew, a powdery mildew. It's a fungal disease. The powdery mildew, powdery mildew, it's murdering my poor peonies. Your powdery mildew, your powdery mildew, you're a fungal disease. A powdery mildew, powdery mildew, murdering my poor little peonies. Well, you can make a preventative spray by mixing water and milk in a 9 to 1 ratio. But if you've already detected that your plant's infected, neem oil is the way to go. Well, get rid of old compost that's harboring the spores. Keep your airflow clear. The compost tea will introduce beneficial organs into the rhizosphere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the powdery mildew, the powdery mildew, you're a fungal disease. The powdery mildew. Powdery mildew, stay off of my poor peonies. I always avoid trying to say rhizo, whatever, <laughs> you know. That, yep. that, that just lays on your tongue. Oh, that's a booby trap. Yeah, it is. There's some, there's some things that only the people who work with them in colleges can pronounce. I like that better than the first one. Well, I like that better than the Lanternfly song. And I, I hope the... Uh, Apologies to whoever wrote St. James Infirmary, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah, it's, uh, but I hope the advice is in concordance with what you'd say. I think that's one of the things I liked about it. And uh, your, your advice was right on the Lanternfly song, too. But you're exactly right. Preventative, you do a 10% spray of milk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's already there, remove the infected leaves, but spray neem oil. 
Right. And what was your third thing? Oh, <laughs> get rid of get rid of the old mulch. Mulch, right? And a, a airflow. spray with airflow and compost tea. Yep. Um, and the only thing you forgot is if all that fails, just burn it to the ground. <laughs> you know? Well, that was that was the first option that I was afraid of. Yeah. Yes. Now. Um, your website is edgehillramblers.com. No, no. Edgehillrounders.com. Well, you're kind of a rambling I'm, kind of guy. I am a rambling, shambling kind of guy. Yep. Okay. Edgehillrounders. I should know all this stuff, like, like it's the first time you're watching the show. Um, dot com. And will the videos, are the videos there? Uh, not yet, but we will, we will put them up. And, but all your appearances are listed. Oh, that's right. right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And you guys play pretty frequently, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And of course, but you have a day job. Oh, yes. I work at the University of Pennsylvania doing exciting data analysts. Wow, man, <laughs> like a two-fisted data analyst. That's huh? right. That's oh, right. right. Well, I'm so glad you emailed me and I'm so glad you came out to be on the show. Um, I love what you're doing. And somebody said you had a little snippet as a surprise for me that you wanted to end with. Oh, it's about, a little early, isn't it? About my least favorite creature All right. on the planet. I think we'll do this one a cappella, though. Okay. All you right. don't want me in there, trust me. Oh, I don't know. I think you could do Oh, this. no, 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 no. My singing voice would break these cameras. All right, here we go. Joy to the squirrel, the humans come to plant their bulbs and fall, come forth from trees and shrubs, furry beals of bubs, and dig them up and sing, and dig them up and sing. No tulips or crocuses for you this spring. Yay! The only thing you didn't get was the evil squirrel part. <laughs> All I'll right. have to work on the second verse. Mike. Tim Cheney of the Edge Hill Rounders. That's correct. And that's the website, edgehillrounders.com. I can't thank you enough for coming thank out you to so Bethlehem much for today. Me. Oh, it's a pleasure to be had. Well, they saw it first in Southeast PA, and it's spreading further every day. It's doing our crops and trees a lot of harm. It's an insect species that's not native, reproducing at a very high rate of speed, and folks, that's causing some alarm. Once you dig what I have dug, you'll be hit to this invasive bug, and friend, you'll want to help to stop it spread. And when you see that little critter gonna take a swing like a home run hitter and smash that spotted lantern, fly dead. Die, 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 spotted lantern, fly. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I got a fly swatter, I'm gonna chase you all the way back to Asia. Die, 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 spotted lantern, fly. And fall from the eggs on a wall tree trunk and scrape them off into an alcohol dunk and surely that will cause them to expire when the nymphs hatch from the eggs in spring wrap your trees with a sticky tape ring but save the birds by covering with chicken wire now the tree of heaven is their preferred host yeah that's the tree it likes the most so if you got one in your yard chop it down don't transport firewood brush or debris because they'll hide in there and you'll never see them hitch a ride with you to the very next town Die, 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 spotted lanternfly. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I got a flash water, I'm gonna chase you all the way back to Asia. Die, 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 spotted lanternfly.
fire When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh I got a fly swatter, I'm gonna chase ya All the way back to Asia Die, 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 spotted lantern fly So die, 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 spotted lantern fly yeah. When you see me coming, you'll know you the know reason why I got a fly swatter, I'm gonna chase ya All the way back to Asia Die, 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 spotted lantern fly So die, 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 spotted lantern fly Went to the folk fest, found my parking space. I grabbed my gear, headed to the gate. I showed them my ticket, they put a band on my wrist. I stepped inside, and I caught a little whiff of Schwanksville skunk was in the air. That Schwanksville skunk, I do declare, he's a tie-dye critter with hippie hair. That Schwanksville skunk was everywhere. Went to the campground, got my tent built. Next door to me was a man in a kilt. I caught another whip, so that's where he went. I said, hey, neighbor, there's skunk in your tent. That Schwanksville skunk, skunk was in the air. That Schwanksville skunk, I do declare. He's a tie-dye critter with hippie hair. That Schwanksville skunk, skunk was everywhere. And called Central Control. Central Control said, just let him be. He ain't bothering you none. He ain't bothering me. That Schwanksville skunk was in the air. That Schwanksville skunk, I do declare. He's a tie-dye critter with a big hair. That Schwanksville skunk was everywhere. Now my neighbor said he'd introduce that skunk that was on the loose well he's my friend now and i know him well i can always find him just by his smell that schwanksville skunk was in the air that schwanksville skunk skunk i do declare he's a die-dye critter everywhere all right well it's time for me to take a little break and remind everybody that i will give a talk on fall gardening we'll talk compost making spring bulbs garlic and i will do this for the bethlehem garden club on thursday october 17th at half past noon at the advent moravian church on jacksonville road in bethlehem just don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet because we'll be right back to get you to grow great garlic and take more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural, organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com.
Hello and welcome back to You Bet Your Garden. From the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch right now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll get to the question of the week, which is everything you need to know about my absolute favorite topic, which is garlic. I even brought some of my own garlic in, and I'm going to hold it up and brag about how big the cloves are. These are the ones I'm going to replant, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Before we get to my great garlic, we're taking a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Susan, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, thank you, Mike. Well, thank you, Susan. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. And where is Susan pretty good? In Burlington County, New Jersey, in Pemberton Borough. Okay, very good. What can we do you for? Well, I have a, a, an established grapevine Okay, that's quite magnificent. Mm-hmm. We enjoy it. We don't make wine or anything, but it, it bears delicious. It's white grapes, and they are sweet and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And my dog <laughs> ate one. Yeah. And we rushed her to the vets. Really? Yeah. And I came home and proceeded to tear out every, every uh, grape that was on the tree. Uh, uh, did the vets say the grapes are dangerous? Yeah, they're toxic to dogs. Really? Okay, I know and chocolate I, is. Yeah, but I've had dogs before, and she's the only one that likes to eat the grapes. Oh, well, there are some famous stories about tomato-eating dogs. I mean, and <laughs> once they get in the habit, it's really hard to untrain them. Right. Well, she has a yen for grapes. Mm-hmm. She has a sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. So now, I took them uh, off, and I tried to do some research to see if it was possible for yanking out the poor grapevine that I love. It's magnificent. Mm-hmm. It actually offers a privacy screen. It must be 40 feet long, one okay. grapevine on the side of my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I wanted to see if I could actually sterilize it some ways that it wouldn't bear grapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's these old wives' tales about driving nails or... A nail in a penny. Yeah, copper nail. Yeah, right. none of it works. No. None of it works. You have a happy, healthy grapevine. Yes. And now, how is it supported? You say it's a privacy uh, screen. So does that mean it's on a big arbor? Well, you could say it's, it's on an arbor. Yeah, it's on an arbor. I built an arbor for it. It's more of a privacy screen with no, lattice I, on it. And it I hear you. Over it. What kind of dog? Dachshund. Well, uh, then the dog... Does it have a little ladder to get up to the top? No, they they'll fall on the ground. Oh! <laughs> but she does have the ladder. Yeah. Well, that's just to get in and out of the car. I know that. Right? <laughs> well, um, you know, if I were, you know, having dinner at your house and we went out to look at it, I could probably make a more reasonable suggestion. But since it is such a tiny dog. Um, do you have another area where you'd like to move it to, though? Yeah, I could move it to another yard. Oh, okay. So, uh, no, you don't transplant huge woody. I, I can imagine that uh, uh, the base of your plant uh, must be pretty thick. Yes. Yeah, you can't transplant. Um, I'm, not pretty, I'm not sure you can transplant any grapevine to begin with, but, you know, something that big, you'd need a construction crew. And it wouldn't work. Um, but what you can do is you can take cuttings. Now, you're in New Jersey, right? Mm-hmm. 
So what you can do, and you can look up instructions for this online. It's pretty reliable advice if you get it from an extension service. You can take what are called hardwood cuttings now, and these are from older wood. And you tie them up in a little bundle with string, and you bury them um, like six inches deep in your backyard and put a marker on top of them. Mm -hmm. And then dig them up in the spring, and they may be sprouting already. If that's the case, they can just be planted where you want the vines to grow. Uh, the, the other option, which is probably the better option, is Get to, rid of the dog. Yeah. <laughs> How old is the dog? <laughs> Three. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, want her? The other option is to um, take cuttings, green cuttings, in the spring mm -hmm. as the plant is just beginning to green up and grow new growth. Uh, you would fill a container, regular plant pot, as big as you can find with good drainage, fill it with potting soil, uh, place the cuttings into the potting soil, and mist the whole shebang every day, every morning. Mm -hmm. Twice a day would be fine. And then when those cuttings show signs of renewed growth, that means you got, uh, you got roots. Right. And those would be your baby grapevine plants. Um, the other option, I mean, these are dropping down from on high, right? Yeah. Hmm. I'm, I'm thinking, all of a sudden, I had this idea of stringing bird netting underneath the arbor, like yes. about a foot underneath where the clusters hang down, mm -hmm. and then simply removing any clusters low to the ground. That's a good idea. Yeah, because it's, it, if, if it was like a big dog, and it was getting all over the plant, that'd be one thing. But really what we're talking about are drops, um, which you should be able to avoid by harvesting the grapes, you know, as soon as they're ready. Right. And, but I'm, I'm ta I'm, I think a safety net, like in the circus. I think that's the best answer here. Right. It's but a lot less work, and you can do the other things. Do I have time to tell you one quick story? Sure. My stepfather, when his father passed, he wanted his father's grapevine. Mm-hmm. Because they live 50, 100 years. Right. Oh, yeah. He dug it out. It was in a well-established grapevine. Mm-hmm. And he actually dug it out. I remember him coming home with it. Mm-hmm. In a bucket mm -hmm. with some water in it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that big. Mm-hmm. The piece that he took home. And he transplanted it in our backyard, and it grew to bear wonderful grapes. Was he Italian? What? Is he Italian? Yes, of course. They well, all, see, I think they all do that. Yeah. Get, if get an, grandpa's grapevine home. Yeah, I was going to say, if an Italian is dealing with tomatoes, figs, or grapes, they can do anything they want. They could run it over with a car. It's like I it, call the wrong DNA. It's like, it's like a lab. They just want to be happy and please their owner. So I, I would not do that. I would string up some netting, see how that works. I would take the cuttings and start rooting them. And if the, if the net works, then we're done. Good okay? idea. Thank you very much for your information. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Suze. You take care. You too. Bye. All right. As promised, it is time for the question of the week. Is your garlic in the ground? 
Now, nobody actually seems to have asked about garlic this fall, but we're going to tell you about it anyway, because garlic is one of my absolute favorite plants. By the time this segment airs in about 10 days, I hope to have all of mine in the ground. But even so, there's still time for all of yous out there to plant a bed for harvest next summer. Uh, by the way, my official excuse for not planting, quote, when the kids go back to school is my tomatoes are still producing, my daughter Amanda got married in Virginia, and the cat ate my homework. Yeah, okay, that is three reasons. I think you should know that you're about to take gardening advice from somebody who can't count. It's a one. All right, we begin. Hard neck versus soft neck types. Hard neck garlics are the choice. They do well in the worst of winters and have far superior flavor and wrapper color than soft necks. The biggest fault is that they do not store well. My hard necks, which I typically pick in early July, start to show green at their tips mid to late September. That's only about 10 weeks of best taste freshness, so you need to work that crop carefully. And here's my hard neck assembly line. When the bottom third of a majority of your plants have turned brown, pull up a sample bulb. If it looks like a big leak, use it right away. Wash it off, chop it up, and enjoy it in a dish because pulled garlic will not cooperate with replanting. Then wait about a week and try again. If the bulb is nice and big and has an intact paper wrapper, start harvesting a portion of the crop every day. If the wrapper has already started to split, however, harvest it all right away. Never wait till the plants have turned completely brown or your harvest will look like George Washington's old teeth. Let these bulbs cure in a dry, airy place that is not in direct sun for a week. My garlic cures on a big table in a screen porch with a ceiling fan, which is ideal. Turn the bulbs occasionally. At the end of this process, carefully brush the dirt off the bulbs, but do not wash them. Now comes the fun part. Inspect each bulb carefully for damage and use those cloves first. Then start breaking the bulbs carefully into individual cloves, like these for our, quote, listeners on TV. These are the ones that I like the most from this year's harvest. You see that beautiful purple on the wrappers there on some of them. These are my biggest clove. So you're breaking them open and you're separating them out like this into the individual cloves. Really big cloves go into a container for replanting. Smaller ones are for fresh cooking and for drying into garlic powder. By replanting only the largest cloves, you will develop a strain that produces many more large cloves than small ones. I'm not getting any small ones uh, these days. Drying. Before the end of, say, August, take all the cloves you don't intend to plant, slice them up, and place those slices in a food dryer dehydrator. When they are bone brittle dry, you have two choices. Number one, the classic method. Place your bone dry cloves in a coffee grinder that has never been used for coffee and whiz them into a powder. Pour this powder into repurposed spice jars with shaker lids, adding one to three of those little desiccating pouches or little plastic cylinders that come with things like vitamins and running shoes. And use the powder as you would fresh garlic. Once you make your own garlic powder, you will never go back to store-bought. Now, number two, 
is the gourmet way. Take your little chunks of dried garlic and put them into repurposed spice jars and grind them as needed, just like coffee beans. If you thought the summer made powder was good, this is going to knock your socks off, if you wear socks. Soft neck garlic. Do we have to? Really? Come on. Okay. Harvest as above and use damaged cloves right away. Then you can just hang what's left over on a wall where it'll get good air circulation. Or you can braid them into a beautiful garlic wreath. Ah, gag me. Unless you're in a climate so warm you don't know what a nice dam is, grow hardnecks, okay? Planting. You know, maybe this should have been first. But if you know this show, you should not be surprised. Whatever. Wherever you live, plant garlic during the month of September. The further north you are, the earlier in the month, the better. You can plant later, but the earlier you plant, the bigger size potential for your harvest bulbs next season. Now, your garlic may sprout this calendar year, but don't panic if it don't. Do mulch newly planted beds with a light, loose material like shredded leaves or pine straw. Do not use a heavy mulch like wood chips. And you know what? If you use wood chips as a mulch for anything, you might as well give up before the Red Cross arrives with blankets, chocolates, and a lawyer for your poor plants. Then do what is the most important chore in gardening, which is nothing. Leave it alone. If your garlic didn't sprout in the fall, it will sprout in the spring, unless you really screwed up. If your soil is not compost rich, feed in May or early June with a nice organic fertilizer. Do not use any kind of miraculous chemical fertilizer, or I will find out and come after you, and it won't be pretty. When the little bulges, known as scapes, appear at the top of the central stalk, cut them off and eat them. Then harvest is above. Uh, or above or before? Well, what are you, a cop? Just do what I said. Well, that sure was some good information about planting and using your garlic, now wasn't it? Luckily, you can read those instructions over at your leisure or your leisure because the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you'll always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to cut my scapes if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588. Or send us your email. You're tired. You're poor. You're wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at YBYG at WLVT.org. Please, please include your location or we're just going to turn you over to spammers. You'll find all of this contact information, answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of recent shows, and links to our internationally renowned podcast at our website, YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Radio in association with WLVT. PBS 39 in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created by Harold and Nancy McGrath. 
Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director used to be Amanda McGrath, but growing forward, she has chosen to be known as Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work in the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page and congratulate her on her very recent marriage. Our princess of production is Tavia Minnick. Our website wonder is Anastasia Weckerly. Our audio editor is Jazzy Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Carlin is running the camera today. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. Zach the Tackwisneski is in the house. Our CEO, Tim Fallon, is late for a meeting, but never late for lunch. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and I'm going to head for that lunch before Tim eats it all, so I can see you again next week. Ah, this is the ticket. Oh, it is, is it? Beautiful night. I got my best girl with me. Although, you know what could make it even better? Let me guess. Some mint chocolate chip. Bingo. You always get a little sappy when that sweet tooth kicks in. Partners since the beginning. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org. What should you prune? And when should you prune it? I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden, we'll discuss the three seasons of pruning with special attention to raspberries and roses, plus your fabulous phone calls. That's all on the next You Bet Your Garden. <laughs>